Welcome to the RX for Biotech podcast, where we perform a deep dive into the biotech ecosystem and prescribe new ways of working for the industry to meet the needs of healthcare providers and patients. The podcast features interviews with the experts and disruptors who share their insights about innovative new treatments. Our guest today is Carolyn Eastman. Carolyn is the Senior Vice President and Customer Experience Strategy Lead at Pixicor in New York. So good morning, Carolyn. Thanks for for joining the podcast today. And uh, how are you? I'm doing great. And thanks for having me. You bet. I mean, I know we're both passionate about digital technologies uh, for the life science market. And um, I mean, I'm, I've personally been championing digital innovation and technology and throughout all of my biopharma career. So I was super excited to have you on the show today and really dive into general in, uh, industry trends in pharma regarding digital. Today, we're specifically going to be talking about digital landscape analysis and customer journey mapping. So let's let's just dive right in. And I thought maybe we could start with just kind of a general overview about the new digital technologies that many in the pharma industry are are experimenting with which ones do you think are especially important to to be thinking about going forward in 2023 yeah that's kind of a tricky question to answer um you know in pharma there's never a silver bullet it really depends upon a lot of factors and the first thing that i just want to start with is that in today's marketplace HCPs and patients are our consumers. They use Amazon, they use Starbucks, they interact with other retailers, and they bring this knowledge and expectations to their dealings with pharma. So we have to make sure that we can meet what their expectations are, right? They want personalized communications. They want them to be timely and relevant. Um, they want them um, for a brand to know their needs. So what digital tactics we use has to meet those expectations. And also we have to think about a few other factors. Um, are tactics ones that will resonate with the audience and meet their expectations? Do they do the tactics meet their needs, behaviors, and channel preferences? Um, as a brand, do you have the technology infrastructure set up to execute more advanced digital tactics? Um, do you have the right tech stack? Um, do you do you have the right data? Is your data accessible for you to use? Um, do you have the right opt-in set up? Um, is your internal legal and regulatory team set up to understand and improve? new digital and more advanced tactics, um, do you need to prep them? Um, and then with advanced digital tactics, you also need to consider that they're often more complex and they often require more content or creative versioning. And it, are your internal teams ready to handle that? Or is your med legal reviewers um, set up to handle that kind of volume? So, you know, when we think about newer tactics to employ, if the tactic can deliver on the target audience needs and gives you space for the brand to have something to say, and you have the infrastructure to support it, then it's a win. Go for it. Um, you know, that, that being said, um, I do think there are some digital marketing strategies and digital marketing um, that pharma really could adopt. And there's some big potential in a few areas. Um, I think one area that's underused right now is uh, social influencers. Uh, as as consumers in general, both um, doctors and patients rely on what other people have to say about drugs, about products. So there's definite potential to tap into that um, in 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 the pharma industry and life sciences industry. Um, I think health apps are another big area that is kind of under leveraged right now. Um, if if a health app makes sense for your disease state, then I think you should really look into that. 
Um, I think also any of the technologies that can enable dynamic personalization, whether it's for emails, message retargeting for banner ads, um, that's a really good area to get into. Um, And it can also create efficiencies in your marketing. Um, But you really have to have the data necessary and access to the data to make that useful. Um, I think email is still a big area, but in a new, more robust, data-driven way. So emails that are triggered on um, based on data that use you know dynamic content uh, to deliver on personalization and customized messaging at a at a time that's really right in the customer journey um, that's really powerful um, if you can adapt that and I think that's underutilized right now um, so really that's a shift from old school cadenced email to new school data driven email um, and thinking even bigger and into the future. We should consider digital companions. And what I mean by that is there can be many opportunities to use digital as a companion to your drug. Maybe it's helping with drug delivery. Maybe it's helping with educational needs or even monitoring where there's benefit to both doctor and patient. You know, we're kind of at the infancy here, but, you know, diabetes drugs have been playing in this area for a while. You know, you can put a device on your arm and your app can show you what your blood glucose level is. So that's a digital companion. So I I imagine a future where my digital devices are going to help me monitor my health post taking a drug, uh, can alert me and my doctor to like if a side effect is happening in my body, or let me know that everything is tracking. Um, So a digital companion should definitely be considered what how can you um, expand uh, to help people in their everyday lives with using your drug? Well, Carolyn, that was... Uh, you've, you've given us so much there to think about. Uh, and, and there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of new marketing technology uh, out there um, going way beyond website development and outbound emails. <laughs> there's so much to consider here. Right? <laughs> we're we're going to get into the, more of the customer journey piece here in a moment. But And you also teased already some of the barriers to scaling and implementing digital ways of working within the pharma industry. I know that there's only, I think, so much blame you can put on sort of internal compliance and medical, legal, regulatory reviews, because we do see that that there are some pharma companies who are certainly leading the way. So maybe maybe if we could pivot and in your experience working with clients, what what sets apart the pharma leaders in the digital space versus some of the laggards? Yeah, definitely. And we're, we're, we're seeing that change. We're seeing the people really trying to adopt newer techniques to really leverage data. So the, so the leaders who are winning have really adopted or are starting to adopt a consumer mindset. So treating HCPs and patients as consumers, you know, we talked a little bit about that before. Um, and, and in doing that, they're really thinking about how to be able to send communications at the right time to solve for needs in the moment they happen. So proactively engaging. And that's where we need to be in 2023. If you're not thinking about this, you should definitely think about this right away. Um, you know, and I talked a little bit about before in order to enable that you do need the data and infrastructure to do that. So, um, the leaders are really have a strategy and roadmap to get there, um, to identify where you are now, uh, understand where you can start and then think about where you want to be and what are the steps to get into those more advanced tactics as you move forward. So it's all about understanding where you're at and where you need to go and then really making those plans to, to, to get there. Um, and when you do that, you'll be able to start incorporating these more advanced digital, digital tactics into your, um, into your workflows and in, into how you market to your consumers. I think uh, laggards in, in the industry right now are just continuing to utilize traditional pharma approach to engagement, you know, predefined 
journeys, uh, no or less dynamic content, standard cadenced communications. They aren't thinking about being really proactive proactive customer engagement, and they don't have plans for how to get there or even have understood where the starting point needs to be. Well, good. I, I have to say, as we sort of start to delve into the you know, customer journey best practices and, and how important that is here, I, I know I have a confession. I know that sometimes, you know, marketers don't have uh, you know, I maybe don't see the value in that. So I'd like to really dive into that um, to better understand that. I think the way many um, departments are set up, digital tactics are divided up, right? So digital is a tactic. Um, sometimes digital sits outside in another department being managed with a separate budget. So like there's a lot of sort of implementation factors that might impact um, the ability to, to do this, but let, let's get into it. And maybe let's just start with why is a digital competitive landscape analysis important and why should we be thinking about doing this in 2023? Yeah, I think it's a really good starting place for, for any brand. And um, with the industry's massive shift to digital post pandemic, it's important to understand how your competitors are using digital, not just to advertise, but also to engage with target audiences. Um, a lot of people think that digital competitive analysis uh, is a media assessment, but you need to look beyond that and understand what other channels and digital engagements are being used, um, what types of digital support are being provided to HCPs and patients, and what types of strategies are playing out in the digital space beyond awareness. Um, are they using engagements to drive consideration, uh, provide post-RX support, uh, provide insurance and financial help, or educational efforts to support RX, or a complicated drug delivery process. So once you assess the larger digital landscape, you'll really be able to see white space opportunities for your brand. And you'll also know what is table space stakes. What is the minimum you need to compete in the market? And this will help you construct a winning marketing plan or refine an existing marketing plan and bring efficiency to it. Carolyn, how do you get started on doing this competitive analysis? What are the top five considerations for, for getting started? Yeah. So getting started is about getting organized, right? You have to determine the criteria for your review. What areas will you assess? Create a template to hold that assessment. And that can just be something as simple as a Word doc or a spreadsheet. Um, and then go to the internet and start assessing. Um, some good digging and searching will kind of enable you to understand what your competition is doing. Um, I think the top five areas you should consider when you're conducting a digital assessment are um, one, digital channel mix. So what mix of channels are your competitors using to advertise to your target audiences? Um, digital media, SEM, website, email, social, mobile, et cetera. What, what are they doing there? Um, what's the mix? Um, I think number two, you have to look at digital engagement. So how are your competitors using digital channels to engage customers outside of advertising? So outside of brand awareness advertising, what's going on? Is there a robust CRM program that's driving a drug consideration? Um, are there apps out there that are educating or helping people understand and track necessary tests? Is there digital support um, for the period from RX to first dose? You know, are there are other people using chatbots to help with financial assistance? Are they using video to tell brand stories? So really understanding how um, your competitors are engaging above and beyond brand awareness can, can really help you fine tune kind of where you need to be. Um, I think number three, 
we have to look at content marketing. It's really becoming a big thing. People are creating lots more content and disseminating it. So dissect your competitor's content marketing strategy. What are they trying to accomplish? Is it increasing consideration? Is it overcoming a specific barrier to prescribing? Is it disease education, etc.? Um, understanding what types of content that your competitors are using to do this. Like, is everybody playing in the video space? If so, maybe you need to think about being there. Um, and then we have to look at what channels for content marketing are they disseminating the content in? Are they going heavy in social? Are they using advocacy groups? Are there a ton of like native advertising opportunities or blogs that they're using? Um, so understanding the content marketing is important. Um, and then I think um, in this digital age, it's really important to uh, benchmark yourself against uh, digital patient support programs. What are your competitors doing in the digital space for patient support programs um, or adherence programs post RX? So, um, what's offered? What does it cover? Um, what are the topics that are being dealt with? Uh, how is it delivered? Website? Is there a portal with a login? Is there a chat functionality? Um, is it mainly website and phone based? Uh, so, understanding that, you can bring your support program up um, to at least par to your competitors, and then you'll understand where you can expand a little bit. Um, and I think the last thing, the fifth thing you should consider is digital innovation. What are your competitors? Um, using that that's a unique digital activation to engage patients or HCPs? Are they using AR? Are they using interactive MOAs? Are they using a unique sponsorship? Um, are they using personal health data to enhance the patient experience while taking the drug or for adherence purposes? So what are kind of the special things other people are doing? Um, and if you look at all of this holistically, you'll have a really good idea of how your own tactics stack up against that. And you'll be able to see where there's gaps or where there's full-blown white space opportunities that you can capitalize on. So I want to come back to, to one of the obstacles we talked about because um, those were, those were five great considerations and things uh, that we should be thinking about in the competitive landscape analysis. But I, what often happens, right. As marketers is that as the field's evolving and new technologies are available for communications and, and content deployment, legal and regulatory reviewers will often ask, well, who else is doing this? You can go back and show them. So to be innovative means being first or being one of the first. There may not be a lot of analogs out there. How do you help clients sort of guide through those internal reviews to give confidence that uh, these new technologies are deployed in a, in a, in a an appropriate way? Yeah. Um, we do a lot of work with um, when we're bringing new newer technologies to market or new ways of thinking about digital or, or using data. Uh, we definitely help our clients do what we call concept reviews with the med legal team. So it's about uh, before you actually go through the planning process and develop everything, it's about putting on paper, okay, how is this going to work? What are the components of it? Um, how does the data, how do the data elements work? How do the technology elements work and putting that concept on paper and reviewing that with the med legal team and then walking them through it and answering their questions and making sure that they're comfortable with it so that when you actually go to submit your actual, um, end piece that they already have had pre-approval on it, that they're comfortable with it and that they can actually review it in a good way. And in doing the concept review, sometimes you think that you're being, um, 
regulatory compliant, but you may miss something. And that's a, that's another great thing that we find out during a concept review. They'll, we'll get comments about, uh, we have to be very careful in this area. Um, you know, we're, we're afraid of HIPAA compliance here. Let's, let's focus on that when we're building this out and make sure that we're really HIPAA compliant or, you know, um, so a lot of back and forth between med legal, uh, through a concept review can really help you get your tactics there in a timely way. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And I think this is a good opportunity to pivot here now. And we, you've, you've walked us through how to do the digital competitive landscape analysis. That's the starting point. And now we're going to move into customer journey mapping. So how, how do you guide clients through, how, how do you conduct a customer journey mapping exercise who, and who should be involved? Yeah. So, so let's just start for a minute, like about some of the benefits of the customer journey. So if, if you have done a digital competitive landscape and, and know what's going on and know where you need to play, how do you know what tactics to create and what's going to resonate with your audience? And that's where your customer journey comes in. A customer journey can help you understand the points in time when people are doing things, what their needs are at those moments in time. And then help you figure out which communication should be triggered at the point of time. It kind of gives you the blueprint to activate against opportunities where the brand might have something to say. So in order to start getting that, uh, we advise clients to put together all the research they have around their target audience. Um, we're, we're looking for the steps they take in a journey, uh, what they do, what they feel or believe, any barriers they're experiencing at different points. Um, and once that research is reviewed, you can start to form a picture and sketch out an initial journey. Um, then you'll understand if there's gaps to fill and you can start refining from there. Um, you know, and often I'm asked who should be involved in this. Um, brand teams, obviously, they, they, they know their drug and they know their um, target audience the best. But also the research teams at your company that are doing the research for you, um, they have definite insights. And, and surprisingly, uh, it's often helpful to have staff that actually talk to the doctors and patients be involved in this process as well. For instance, uh, patient support representatives or nurse navigators or people from your telecenter or hub teams, they because they're on the front lines with doctors and patients, they can bring insights that can really inform your customer journey. Um, and obviously, the most important people that you have to engage are the customers themselves, HCPs and patients. You will need a degree of um, uh, inputs from, from them because, you know, you don't, you're not the patient. You don't know exactly what a patient is going through. You're not the doctor. You don't exactly know what the doctor's considerations are during the process for, for prescribing a drug. Um, so those things are really important to start out. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen um, in conducting customer journey mapping exercises? How, and how do you avoid them? So I think uh, what I was just talking about, not talking to your actual customers, um, that's, that's a huge mistake. Like you really do have to understand from the horse's mouth what, what is going on, what are the steps in the journey and, and where, there's, where they have needs that may not be met currently. Um, the good news about that is a lot of us in our industry leverage patient panels or doctor panels to help vet our messaging or advertising. And these panels can be easily leveraged to help with journey mapping or to fill in specific gaps or, or vetting um, of your initial sketches. So that's, that's something, it's a pitfall, but it's easily avoided. Um, I think one of the other uh, mistakes we have with creating customer journeys these days is aggregating journey steps. 
So in our industry, we have a habit of aggregating stuff, rolling up stuff, distilling, distilling down to a single insight. With customer journey mapping, you need to um, fight your instinct to do that and kind of go a level or two deeper to really understand the steps that your customer are taking on the journey. And this will empower you to find better opportunities to reach and engage them. Uh, I think another thing that is often um, a pitfall of doing customer journey mapping, especially in uh, today's digital environment, is not thinking about the timing of steps. Um, our customers expect well-timed and relevant messages. So we need some understanding of how long steps in the journey take, or, or we need to map uh, data points that will tell us when they are in a specific step or when they're moving to a next step. So it's really important to have that time element in there. Um, and then the, the last thing is really thinking that a customer journey is too big a task to tackle. It, it, it looks really daunting, um, but we all need to start somewhere, right? And, and we understand that no one has unlimited budgets. Um, so make customer journey mapping an evolving project. Um, can you isolate a particular, particular section of the journey to start that most aligns with your brand goals? You know, if you can do that, develop that first and then expand on it as you move forward in time. Can you share a, a client case study, anonymous, of course, uh, um, on how you have helped them overcome a patient communication challenge through this customer journey mapping? We worked with a large pharma client where there was a portfolio of drugs that served a specific disease state. Um, and they were focusing on targeting patients that were switching drugs. Um, and they wanted them, obviously, to switch their drugs. So we mapped the customer journey from diagnosis all the way through patient switching. And in doing this, we really got to understand that there were distinct and different reasons that patients switched their drugs, that, that because of these different reasons, there were different needs or concerns for the switch. And there was also different research and consideration cycles that had unique timing. So once, once we mapped the journey and we kind of understood all that, we took that knowledge and we created a, a CRM program, uh, delivered an email that was able to identify when patients were switching, the reason for switching, and then provide that distinct communication streams that was unique for each different type of switch. Um, and we tried to meet the needs of their, their research and um, other things during their switch. So they're, thereby driving more consideration for the drug and, and helping them advocate to their doctor for the drug they wanted to switch to. Um, and in setting this up, it also allowed us to gather enough information on patients to understand when another drug in the portfolio of drugs that this uh, pharma company was offering, when they might be of better in interest and be able to introduce communications around the other drugs at right times. So it was a really powerful tool to us to understand that there were things that were different, that we can't aggregate it and roll it up, that we had to break it out. And by doing that, we were able to really um, uh, create communications that met the needs of the patient. It's a great example, Carolyn. And I think it just shows the deep experience uh, that you have in, in this space. And I think um, one of the things I know that Pixacore has uh, that really impresses me is that you, your uh, full sort of brand services sort of grew out of this digital core. Um, unlike some other agencies, which maybe started in more traditional pharma tool development, you, you sort of built out of this digital core and you've always innovated. So I thought, and I know that you've, you've won awards as being the mid, you know, top midsize agency of the year in the past. It's really a recognition and social proof of all the great work you're doing for your clients. 
Do you want to give an overview of, of the professional services you do provide for biopharma clients, please? Sure. You know, we are a full service integrated agency. We're digital at the core. Uh, we provide AOR and DAOR like solutions and services to um, clients in the life sciences industry. Um, but it's really about how we approach our client partnerships um, and some of the things we've been talking about, about thinking digitally first, about thinking customer first. And that is why and how Pixacore helps better engage our end customers. HCP's patients for commercial, medical, and corporate teams. So if a brand is looking to capitalize on growth opportunities or it's looking to successfully launch in a competitive landscape, we have a team of data, creative, brand strategists, regular strategists, digital strategists, technologists, and medical strategists who can really work with your brand, partner, listen, ideate, create, and activate omnichannel plans. So if we were to look ahead five years, Carolyn... How will digital transformation and, and new technologies affect the way Pixacore operates and supports its clients in the future? Yeah, I think we'll continue to empower life science organizations to be as agile and customer orientated as other industries outside of pharma. Um, and especially over the next three years, I think we'll start to see digital transformation transitioning away from being a... Um, a point on a three-year IT roadmap to um, the customer-facing teams uh, at a company really demanding omni-channel capabilities, that they'll be transitioning to really consistently and universally realizing that customer insights and experience will drive brand success. Um, and as for tech innovation, you know, beyond... Um, AI for insights and driving next best actions. Um, I think we want to be in a place where we can enable and activate technologies and platforms like AR and the metaverse. Um, people are going to be going after them. We intend to be there and be thought leaders in, in those kind of innovations. Thank you, Carolyn. Most of us will be looking to optimize our digital omnichannel communications and We'll be looking for ways to improve our customer engagement going into the new year. And that's why I recommend that you reach out to Carolyn and the creative team at Pixacore. Pixacore delivers deeply personalized data-driven solutions that enliven the customer experience. They navigate the unique needs of HCPs and patients with targeted, agile strategies aligned with their unique journeys to drive measurable engagement results. To learn more, about the services that Pixacore provides, get to know them at pixacore.com.